0: So welcome to our August 2019 uh, meeting for the Google Educators Group of Ohio. This is a monthly meeting where we take a look at everything new in G Suite from the last month. We share Googly tips and tricks and answer questions related to using Google tools in school. Uh, Howdy, my name is Eric Kurtz. I'm a tech integration specialist at the Stark Portage Area Computer Consortium, or SPARC for short. Uh, We're an information technology center serving schools up here in Northeast Ohio. However, this meeting is open to anyone in Ohio or outside of Ohio. Uh, You're all welcome to join us as long as you have an interest in using Google tools in schools. Uh, I am so thrilled today though that I am not hosting this on my own but have uh, two folks with me. I've got my co-host Stephanie and I'm gonna give Stephanie a chance to introduce herself and then we have a special guest with us after that. So Stephanie go ahead.
1: Hello, everyone. I am Stephanie Howe. I am an instructional technology coordinator um, for Pickerington Local School District, and we have about 11,000 students in our district, and I get to help fifth and sixth graders use instructional technology in powerful ways, and it's just the best job ever. It's crazy, and it's fun, and I get to help, you know, teachers and students, and then principals, pretty much everybody that's in charge in the school um, use technology, and I'm so excited to bring on our special guest today, Jake Miller. Um, so, Jake, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm psyched to be here, too. Thank you, Stephanie and Eric. Uh, so I have long been like the people out there watching, except I was watching it late on YouTube, like the next day or something like that. So I'm always on your end. And so i get to be on this end uh, talking to you guys, which is exciting. So I am Jake Miller. I also live in Ohio, like Eric and Stephanie. Um uh, I live in Kent, I'm employed by the Orange City School District up near Cleveland, Uh, but I'm taking a year off this year as I focus on uh, speaking and doing some things relating to uh, educational duct tape, which is a thing that I have a podcast on now, and just some other ventures that I'm working on relating to that, all relating to educational technology. Uh, And I'm excited to be here today to talk Google with you guys and also talk about spreadsheets, which is one of my nerdy loves. (laughs) But before we get to that, Eric, I know you've got some, some news to talk about.
0: Absolutely well. Thank you so much, Jake, for being with us today. We are thrilled to have you on this end of of the uh, GEG meeting. And again, I really want to thank Stephanie so much for helping out. Stephanie is serving as the co-leader for uh, the GEG Ohio uh, meetings that we're doing. And I cannot say enough wonderful things. Uh, Stephanie is a a very organized person, which I am not. And uh, uh, I think this is going to help a lot. So I'm so glad she's got fantastic ideas and does amazing things and has her own podcast and just is awesome, 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 awesome. So thank you so much, uh, uh, Stephanie, for uh, helping me out with this. And thanks, Jake, for being here. Um, So uh, just a little bit of housekeeping to take care of real quick here. Um, If you haven't yet caught this, um, all of the resources for uh, today's meetings, can be found in our Google Doc editable agenda, which can be found on our GEG Ohio website, and that is at bit. Dot lee slash Ohio. So if you haven't made it to that site yet to get to the document, uh, this is the time to do that. So head over to bit.ly slash G-E-G Ohio. And when you get to the G-E-G Ohio website, uh, you'll find a link there to the monthly meetings. Uh, pull that up and you'll see today's date, August 29th. Uh, and there's the agenda link. Give that a click and that'll get you into that document. Now I should mention real quick, there are dates for the rest of the year, but they are tentative. Please do check back on this. Things change. We we all have jobs. We're all busy. We're trying to do trainings and take care of stuff and so sometimes we have to adjust things. Uh, so before you put one of these in your calendar and, and, and forget about it, uh, be sure you check back as you get closer to that date to see if we do have to make any updates. And of course, we will also send out those updates through um, other means such as you know Twitter and Google Plus and our GEG Ohio listserv, which we'll talk about here as well. As far as the agenda goes, it is editable. Anybody is allowed to type in this and we welcome you to do so. There are several sections in here. Um, We're doing the quick little welcome right now. We'll hit some important links and some updates, Um, but then we'll cover some upcoming events. So if there's some conferences that you know about that we do not have in this list, type them in. Please let us know if there's a, a training, a conference, a webinar, some sort of opportunity for people to learn would love to have you guys get that um, in the agenda here. Uh, the next section is called What's New in G Suite for Education. And that's where we'll go through all the, the updates. Now, normally it's just what what's new in the last month. Well, we typically don't do GEG meetings in the summer, just kind of a crazy time for everybody. So technically we're gonna look at June, July and August and do a summer update. What's new from the summer? We are not gonna cover every single thing in there or this would be a marathon session. Uh, instead, we're just gonna hit a couple the key ones that really jump out to us. But as we do, if there's something there that we skip that you care about, let us know. Um, and you can comment in several ways throughout this. You can type right in the document, of course, because it is editable. You can also just highlight something and hit the little comment button over on the side. If you want to put in a comment over there instead, that would certainly work. And also, if you're watching the um, the YouTube video live, you know, if you're watching it recorded afterwards, that's, that's awesome. But if you are watching it live, we do have the chat open and you can throw some things in the YouTube chat. Uh, there's a Q and a section. If you have a question for the group that you'd like to throw out for the group, please throw that in the Q and a section. And between everybody watching now and watching later, hopefully somebody will have an answer for you. And then lastly, we have show and tell. This is where we share. What are some really cool things happening in G suite? Maybe a new project you're doing at your school or a new extension you've come across, or, um, you know a great podcast or blog that people should be aware of uh during this time we're going to have a jake uh, definitely doing some sharing and then uh, stephanie and i will also follow up with some odds and ends fun things from this but i would encourage you guys again please add to this if there's something you think people should be aware of uh, this is a great part of the document to put that in excellent so that is the agenda um Other than that, I think we are ready to jump in and get going. So let's get started. Um, We've already done the little welcome, so that's fantastic. Um, As far as important links, the only thing I'm really going to draw attention to is the sign-in form. Um, This is for two purposes. If you come here and click on this link for the Google User Group sign-in form, it allows us to do two things. First of all, generate a certificate of attendance for you. Um, Folks sometimes need hours to you know, get their license renewed and uh, attending professional meetings is a way to do that. So by filling this out, I can uh, use Autocrat to generate a certificate of attendance for you for watching this meeting either live or recorded afterwards. But the other thing we do with it is it allows us to report numbers to Google. Um, I don't send them in your name or anything like that, but I do send in quantities so they know how many people are attending the meetings or watching them after the fact. And then also whether or not it's the first time you've ever participated. That is something Google is interested in knowing. So appreciate you guys filling that form out, whether you're watching live or if you're catching this as a recording afterwards. Oh, uh, updates real quick. Um, we do have two main locations. You can connect with us online. We have the Google plus community, which we've had for years and years and years and years and years and years, and it still exists. We've got about 2000, almost 2100 members there on the Google plus community. So please do feel free to join that community. However, not everybody can use Google plus anymore. It, the, uh, uh, personal version uh, for like Gmail accounts got discontinued. So you have to be using a school account now and not every school supports Google+. So we don't want to leave anybody out of the discussion. So we have started uh, last year a new email distribution group. And so this is a Google group that you can join. Here's the link you can head out to if you want to go there and then click join the group, or you can just send an email message to gegohio at googlegroups.com to subscribe as well. Um, Or actually, I'm sorry, send it to gegohio plus subscribe at googlegroups.com. All those directions are there in the agenda. And that group, of course, um, is open to anybody. So you know, no matter what, if you've got a, a Gmail account, whether it's personal or school, you can join that group. And it's a great way to ask a question in between the meetings or to stay up to date. Um, We'll share a lot of resources through there as well. So please do uh, connect and share with others who you think would benefit from that as well. All right. Well, I'm going to turn this over to Stephanie at this point. Our next section is upcoming events and conferences. And Stephanie's got some information on some uh, events for you to be aware of.
1: So the first conference that we have is the Future Ready Schools, and it is up at Kalahari Resort, and it is October 7th to the 8th. And this conference I went to last year, um, I think it will be a little bit different if you did go, but it takes three to nine people from your district that can go, and it talks about best practices and how to empower teaching and learning. And there's different strands that everybody can go to, so there's like a teacher strand, a librarian strand, um, a tech leader strand, a coaches strand, a principal strand, and then you all kind of come back together as a team and you kind of talk about what you talked about and there's a lot of collaboration within your team. And so if you have not became a future ready school, I highly encourage you to look into this. Um, it's a great conference and a great program to be a part of. The next one is the Learn 21 Conference and this is on October 29th and it is at the Ohio State University at the Ohio Union. And this one is based on educational technology, there's different breakout sessions that you can attend. um, And it's just a great conference that is in central Ohio. The next one is the learning and um, innovators conference. I've never gone to this one. I know um, Eric has gone in the past and this is in November 5th. And it just talks about different innovative practices that you could be doing. And there's different, you know, breakout sessions and sessions that you can attend to learn and grow more. And then the final one, or there's two more on the list. The Teach Better conference is November 8th and 9th. Um, Teach Better, if you have not heard of them, they are Ohio-based and they are amazing teams. Um, I think Jake Miller is actually presenting at this conference. And they're all about personalized learning and focusing on that student. And there's some really good speakers at this conference, so I highly suggest this one in November. And then the final one is the O Colicon. This one is based on students with disabilities. So if you're a spec ed or you're looking to help that subgroup, this is another great conference to attend.
0: That is fantastic. And I see somebody threw in a reminder, which we all need to be reminded of, that OETC, the call for presenters, is closing soon. It's due September 15th, and there's a link in there for that. Uh, I know I still need to get mine put in there, um, and uh, that is a good reminder. I've got it on my calendar, so I've got like a a two-week and a one-week reminder before it, but uh, it's good to get reminded again. So uh, that is fantastic. Yes, OETC call for presenters, and it looks like we're also getting added in the uh, Idea Stream Tech and Learning Conference. Yes, that is one that I've attended on and off for, for many years. It's always been an excellent conference. Looks like that's coming up in November. So if there's any other ones to add, people, please do go ahead and throw stuff in there. Uh, We appreciate uh, being made aware of all these wonderful learning opportunities around us. Excellent. Oh, And there's even more coming in. All right, that's great. We have Neotech 2020. So yeah, that's excellent. Uh, Keep keep an eye on that list as it grows. All right, very good. Well, the next section of our uh, meeting is usually one of the big chunks of the meeting. We tend to spend a good amount of time on this. And that's trying to look at what is new in G Suite for education. Uh, Google is a moving target there's always new things coming out constantly. And that's what we love about them is that Google's constantly innovating, but it also means, well, they're always changing. And so we have to keep learning and we have to keep uh, up with it. And so what we try to do is keep an eye on some of the major Google blogs and the announcements and Twitter and things like that. And anytime something new gets announced, um, we throw it in this document that grows over over the month, in this case over the summer, uh, because we typically don't do meetings in the summer, so we do have June, July, and August here, but normally it'll just be whatever's new from the last month. Um, Because there are so many things, we've gone through and we've bolded some that Stephanie and I both thought were the most critical, you know, and uh, your opinion may be different than ours. So if we skip something that you're interested in, please leave a comment in the doc or in the YouTube chat. Um, and we can chat, we can dive into any one of these different things. Um, but the idea is we're going to just kind of ping pong back and forth. Stephanie and I will take turns as we go through these. And Jake, please jump in on any of this. If there's something here that uh, you've had experience with one of these new updates, or you have got an opinion on this or a thought about how it could be used. Um, we would love to get your... Uh, take on this as well. All right, so let's go ahead and get started with what's new uh, from June. Um, So there were several things that came out in June. Uh, One of the first one was that Google Docs got a new feature called Compare Documents. And I'm going to try to demonstrate this. Um, What I did was I took this agenda we're in right now, and um, I made a copy of an earlier version of it, and I was going to see, we'll see, I'll see if I can get it to work. You always, you know, whenever you do it live, you know, on on, on camera, It doesn't always, things don't always cooperate. But here's the idea. Basically, if you go into the tools menu for for docs, you can now choose this option called compare documents. And what it does, is it allows you to select a document to compare against the one that you're currently using. So if I come in here... I should have recently, I just I just made a copy of this just a little bit ago, so it should be in there. Yep, here it is. And so I took an earlier version of this agenda document and I'm going to go ahead and say, let's compare this document to that document. And I'll go ahead and hit compare. And the idea is it's going to look to see what is different between these two documents. And then it's going to generate a new document. And here it comes. Here's popping up the new document. And the new document is showing everything that changed from one document to the other. And so you can see, as we look down through here, something's got deleted, something's got added. Now, yeah, this looks a lot like version history because it's, it's basically, you know, doing a comparison between two things, which a lot of times we see when we do version history, but these, these do not have to be two documents that were the same. I mean, it could be, I mean, it could be like, Hey, let's, a comparison of an early draft of a um, term paper and a later draft of it and in one you know nice view let's see very easily everything that changed in it. At the same time it could be comparing a document to an original source to see you know plagiarism concerns or is anything borrowed heavily from a particular document. I think for the most part though we would probably see it something like again seeing growth in a student's writing from, you know, an early version to a later version. And yes, we absolutely can use version history, go in and click back through. But it's just so convenient to spit out this document that has it all there for you in one place to show that comparison.
2: Eric, I'm going to jump in here really quick. One thing that I was thinking about while you were saying that is I know you have a blog post about how you could take the different parts of the version history and name them like first draft, second draft, rough draft, final draft, stuff like that. But one problem the teachers have had is when they go and put student work up on like a digital portfolio, they're really just showing the final version. So the nice thing here is we can copy out those old revisions from the version history and then use this to actually show the changes. So instead of seeing um, a clean document of the rough draft and a clean document of the final draft, we're seeing actually what changed between them. So the teacher can go, oh, I see you. Cleaned up your punctuation issues or whatever issues it might have been. So a lot of promise in, in the uh, language arts classroom, I think.
0: Yep, and and that's that's perfect. And that's exactly that's exactly what I did with this document. I went into file, I went into version history, I went into C version history, and you're right on the money, Jake. I went down and I don't know how far back I went, but I went back, you know, a couple of weeks, and I picked an earlier version a few weeks back. And this feature about making a copy has been in here for a while, but I do see sometimes folks it has slipped below the radar and they were not aware of that, that not only can you go back in version history to see an earlier version, but if you click the three little dots right next to that, entry in the version history there's a make a copy option and it will spit out a version it'll spit out that version of the document and so that's what I did I went back and I found an earlier version said make a copy spit out the earlier version of it and then used from the new document I used the compare documents feature to compare the earlier spit out version to the current version so right on the money there Jake that is fantastic and I agree looks like a great tool for uh, looking at the, uh, the improvements of writing over time. All right, Stephanie, what, what do you have next here?
1: So the next one on the list is um, rubrics, and this is in beta. So our district does have this. Um, we were signed up for the beta rollout. So if you are not, make sure you try to sign up for it because it's really cool. So once you're in Google Classroom, and you go to an assignment, you have to create an assignment. You can't just use an announcement or anything like that, you have to actually have like a actual assignment. And you're going to have to name it first, I believe. And then the create rubrics will pop up and you just click it. And once you click it, you can design your own rubric to use. And I know my ELA teachers were super excited for this because a lot of times with writing or with standards based grading, they need a rubric rather than just giving a grade out. So it provides more feedback for the student And some things with this is not right now, but they're hoping to eventually, Google is, having you share the rubric. So right now, you can't really share the rubric with other teachers. They would have to type in those comments or the actual rubric itself. But eventually, Google hopes to get the more collaborative piece going. So that is on their radar. It's just not right now.
0: Excellent, and I did go ahead and pull that up um, on my screen. Um, I was playing with it earlier, and you, you're running the money with all that. Um, here's an example of a, of a rubric um, that uh, I built for a document that I was uh, uh, grading, just a pretend document there. Um, and when the student then opens up the uh, graded document or the, uh, the uh, graded assignment in classroom, they will also see the rubric there with all the different values colored in as to how they were graded for that. It is still pretty early on. You're right. Um, it's pretty basic right now. You, you know, basically typing in, you know, creating, creating, the rubric. And then when you go to grade, so if I go in, I know I've already graded this one, but if I go in to grade it, um, I get a little rubrics button over here on the right-hand side. And that opens up the rubric that I created. And I can just click in the boxes to select what value I want to apply to each of the different criteria and you know that will then create a rubric grade to go along uh, with that I'm very excited to see where this goes because there are a lot of other rubric tools out there I don't know if you guys uh, have favorites of your own I mean in the past I know I've shared about things like orange slice which I think is probably a little happy medium in there where it's like it's pretty easy to create but also has some nice features all the way up to things as sophisticated as using Doctopus and Gubrick, you know, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of options out there. So this is definitely on the continuum, very basic right now. Uh, but, um, maybe Google, as you said, Stephanie, will continue to develop this. All right. Any other thoughts on rubrics? No. All right. Um, Next up, a uh, grade book in Classroom has come out of beta and should now be available for all users. Uh, I don't know that I had a grade book um, in that class. Let me see if I have a grade book in that class. Yep, there it the is. Grades. Um, not much to see here again because this is just a pretend class. This is obviously not 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 a real class. Just a. A demo student in here uh, but you should have a grades tab now that as you are creating assignments that are gradable they will show up on this page where you can see all of your students and their grades for each of the assignments and you can add grades in while you're there which is nice it's another way to input grades we can do it while grading the assignment we can do it from the assignment page but we can also do it on the grade book page here as well um, I think yeah, still not. the thing that I would love to see here I think I'm sure it's coming, unless you guys know something different. I would love to see the grade export feature on this page as well. Like right now, if I wanna dump the grades to like a spreadsheet, I can always go into an assignment and when I get in the assignment, I can click the little gear and I can say, let's copy all these grades to a Google sheet. But if I'm on the grades page, it just seems like I feel like I'm missing a button. Like there should just, you know, this gear doesn't do it up there like the gear does when you're in the assignment. I just feel like there should be a simple button to just blurf, export everything from this screen. But, uh, you know, again, maybe that is to come. Anyway. Yeah, yeah I
1: agree. So, that needs
0: to come. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's keep on going. What's up next, Steph?
1: Um, So what's up next is the Chrome App Hub. So this is a place for, I feel like this is very valuable for tech coaches and any instructional coaches out there. You can go to this website, and it has all these different ideas that Google innovators and Googlers have kind of combined into this place to give you different lesson ideas. And so they first, on the notes, it's kind of like a outline of what it is. But once you're at the actual site, you can just scroll these kind of ideas. It's also a very nice filtering button. So I know we're all busy and we don't have time, you know, to kind of scroll and look up all these lesson ideas. And we can actually filter to what subject we're teaching, what topic we're teaching, and um, what are our learning goals. Also, we can kind of sort by age range to get a better – down and um, to figure out what we actually really need to teach and what we should be using. Because I know sometimes tech can be distracting for teachers because there's so much where this kind of helps bring it in and bring it in. And it gives you some ideas to engage students and learners. And everything is there for you. So if you explore an idea, you can then see what is inside of the app hub. And you can see who the creator was. You can see there's Google certifications, and it gives an overview, tips for success. What I really like is it focuses on the subgroups. So it talks about the English language learners, and then special accommodations, because sometimes I think when we're planning lessons, we forget these subgroups, and it really helps you just remind yourself, okay, I need to focus on that subgroup for this lesson too, and how am I going to reach them to better um, assist them? And then it shows you the resources that help you get started with the lesson. So I'm very excited about using this with teachers and just to gain more ideas for the classroom that I might have not thought about.
0: That is fantastic. And, and, and that's just what's so important. There are so many folks doing so many amazing things. It's a matter of how do we connect people with the ideas. Hey, you know, you know don't reinvent the wheel. Let's, let's all be better together. And that's great that we have a hub now where so many of these great resources can be um, found in one place. Awesome. Thanks for covering that.
1: Also on the notes, there is a link to the Google, um, isn't it like Edu and 90? Yeah. So this is, if you have not subscribed to this channel, I really highlight um, and suggest that you do because it sends out, I want to say once a week they send out a video about different ways to use Google in the classroom and it's just a quick 90 second video so this video talks about the Chrome Hub Store.
0: Wonderful. So this will take people through how that works. So if you're wanting to get this information out to your staff um, and, uh, you know, you just want an easy, quick, bite-sized explanation for them, send them this link and uh, they can watch the video and they're ready to go or if you want to show that during a staff meeting it can be an awesome quick way to get this information in front of people and i agree yes uh, i know people are saying eric you're not subscribed no i actually am this is a different account that i've caught up right now i am subscribed to my regular account uh but uh yeah i agree to you should subscribe to uh the edu in 90 uh series very good All right, next up, uh, Google launches G Suite certification for students. Now, this has been coming along for quite a while. We've been been waiting to get this. Um, And so it it may not be new to you. You may have been hearing about this for a while. Um, But basically, what this is, is Google has put together a certification that is like an industry-recognized certification. So if you think about students graduating from high school and being Microsoft certified, for example. Um, um, this is an option to get Google certified, um, and so the, the the tests is it is a proctored test. Um, there are you know some guidelines for how that can be proctored to make sure that it's being you know. Um, done correctly, um, and there is a cost for it. It is a $37 cost, which is 50% off the $75 normal cost for it. So that's that's great. Um, and there are a lot of resources that help support students in preparation for that. A lot of this ties nicely to applied digital skills, which I know we talk a whole lot about, and I've done a lot of trainings on that. Um, so that is a wonderful way to get prepared for this. But then they also have an exam guide, and they've got a practice lab that's done through QuickLab where you can go through and try out a lot of these different skills now what is being covered on this exam a lot of it um, feels very much like if you were to work in a business environment. Uh, now I'm sure the exams change a little bit. I took the beta for it like almost two years ago now when they were first developing this and it felt very much like a, you're an office worker, you're a business worker, you're trying to analyze a spreadsheet to compare, you know, sales growth and, and make charts and graphs and make a, a presentation to present to the committee. Um, so it's a lot of skills that would be very beneficial for somebody trying to get into the workforce. Um, And so uh, this is finally here uh, after, you know, a a long time of beta testing and getting that set up. If that is something you are interested in pursuing for maybe your graduating seniors, as something else to um, have a certification as they're heading out um, after graduation. Um, All that information can be found at g.co slash student cert or follow the link in the agenda here to get to all of that. Excellent.
1: All right. What's up next? We have Google Forms updates. So Google Forms has made a couple updates. They have lock mode for quizzes, which was in beta last year, and it's finally um, coming out of beta in August. And so students would be locked down to their Google Form, and they were unable, you know, to search the web for answers and get different questions that way. And so this is going to be huge for, you know, if you're trying to make a test or some type of, form for students, and you just, you know, create a Google form just like normal. just says Eric's doing that for us. And then you go to settings, quizzes, and you just turn it on to lock forms, and then you can turn it on there. And it is, again, out of beta, which is helpful. And then you're going to want to turn on lock mode. So once you do that, students will be in that Google form, and they will be unable to open up another tab or search for an answer that way. The one issue that a lot of my teachers were having is the students with disabilities needing that read to. And Texthelp actually kind of partnered with Google and it is available. So if you do worry about that and you have um, Google read and write with Texthelp, you might want to reach out to them and they can provide more insight on how to use that or if you need to buy an account with them. So that was kind of one of our worries, but we were able to get that fixed because Texthelp partnered with Google. And then they also are adding import questions from another form. So before, you had to kind of make a copy of a form, delete which questions you didn't want. That was our workaround. And now you're able to actually import questions from another form and decide which questions you want or don't want based on that form. And then they're just kind of updating their design more.
0: Yeah, and that button is in the floating toolbar that, you know, has the, the add a question or, you know, insert an image, insert a video. There's a little button that looks like an arrow pointing at a page It says import questions. And you can click that and it will let you select the form that has the original questions on it that you then want to pick the ones you want to pull into
1: this one. Excellent. And so for my people, I was telling them, create a Google form that, you know, is going to have the name, information that you're always asking kids And then you can always just import those questions over. So that way you're not searching for different forms. You have it all like in one spot. So create like a bank of a Google form and then use that to import questions.
0: In the past, we had a, oh, which add on was it? I don't know if I've got them all here. Oh, do, do, do. Form values, I think was the one. Um, So, form values would let you have like some really common things. Like, if you have a list of all your student names, you could use that one. And there was also another one that did let you copy from a form, and I'm not seeing it in my list right now. But the beauty of it is, we don't have to have that add on anymore. Now we have that as just a feature in there to import the questions. Good stuff. All right. Next up, Google shutting down Hangouts on Air streaming option as of August 1st, which is why we're not using a Hangout. <laughs> That's why we're in Zoom. Uh, so I probably should mention that right now if anybody's confused about how we're doing the broadcast out. So it may be a little different than we've done in the past. Uh, for years and years and years and years, I've used Hangouts on Air to stream all of these meetings and my webinars and everything like that. Um, well, we can't. <laughs> it's it's gone. Uh, so unfortunately, that got shut down. And i I get it. I know Google does, you know, end things every now and then. And some of them I've been kind of, yeah, I kind of understand why that might be going away. This one, this one hurt. This was one that uh, I, I I protested greatly about, <laughs> but uh, uh, apparently not uh, not not enough. Uh, so. As it is right now, if you want to use Hangouts to do what we used to do, the real, really the only way to do it is with what they call uh, G Suite for Education Enterprise version, which is the paid version of G Suite for Education that does allow for recording of Hangouts and broadcasting and things like that. So now just the regular old Hangouts is just to you know, chat with somebody else and not actually record it. So my solution to that for now anyway is using Zoom, Z-O-O-M, Um, I, uh, I asked a bunch of people and said, you know, what do you suggest? Hey, if somebody's listening and you got some other ideas, please feel free to send them uh, my way. I'm sure I'm not the only person who is facing this uh, issue, trying to decide what's the best replacement for Hangouts on air, because it did two wonderful things. It broadcast the Hangout live to as many people as wanted to watch it. So, you know, you could have thousands of people watching the Hangout and it recorded it live for you as well. So that later on, you know, you could. You know, people could watch it uh, after the fact. Um, Zoom does that. uh, there's a free version and a paid version. Uh, I am using the paid version of it to be able to get those features in there. Um, if there are other options people would suggest, let us know. But uh, for now, I've been very pleased with it. It seems like a really nice product. Um, it's just unfortunate that uh, Google no longer is supporting that. So if you've used Hangouts on Air in the past and didn't know about this, I don't want you to get caught off guard when suddenly, you're like, oh, hey, we can just do that. Well, not necessarily anymore. So uh, that one was a little sad, but uh, uh, that we're using Zoom now. And if things don't work well, please forgive us. We are figuring out this new system. So bear with us as we work through learning a, a, new, a new tool. All right. Uh, anybody, any comments on that? I know we've got some other folks who have been Zoom users. Stephanie, you've used Zoom in the past, right?
1: Yeah, I've used Zoom in the past. I mean, I love Google, so Hangouts was my first option. Um, but now that it's gone, we have to find another workaround. So I'm hoping they come up with something better so I don't have to buy the Google Enterprise.
0: <laughs> right. It looks like the next option we already talked about, um, it must have just shown up as yep. a second blog post. So, uh, Stephanie, do you want to jump down? What would be our next one? you want to talk about the transformation reports?
1: Yeah, so the transformation reports are coming. Are, are out, and it is in the Google Admin Console. I do not have access to our Google Admin Console. I don't know if you're able to show it, here because I don't know sure. if you do. Sure, yeah, sure. But... What you're able to do is you can now kind of track how schools and students are implementing the G Suite tools. So how many students are using forms, how many students are using sheets, slides, drawings, sites, docs, you know, all the Google G Suite tools. And then you're also able to go down to the 21st century educational skills. It breaks it a- to those four C's. So we've got collaboration, communication, creativity, creative thinking, or um, critical thinking. And we're able to see, you know, how the students are using these different tools because our board, and I'm sure everybody else's, loves to see that data in those bar graphs of how students are using these tools. And so it's kind of a nice way to see it, a different point where it's actually talking about the 21st century skills.
0: Right. Um, And so um, if you decide to do this, there is a, uh, I think there's still a link in the article uh, to sign up for the tool um, and uh, to be notified when it's available for you. Um, It is a combination of a couple of things. It does use data that's already in your admin console because your admin console does track all sorts of reports. There's tons of reports in there where you can see usage over time. So it does tap into that but it does have one other piece to it. It actually has a survey. And so there is a survey that goes out to your users and, um, they then, you know, fill that out. And that helps feed a lot of this other stuff on where are they at now? Where are they at semester break? Where are they at the end of the year? um, Into some of those other areas, like you're talking about the four C's and things like that. So um, really great option for a school that's wanting to step back and say, okay, let's get some data on, well, how are we doing here? What difference is G suite making with, with our students and with our teachers? I don't know anybody who's tried it out yet. If somebody has, I'd love to hear how it went. I have not done it. Again, I'm at the county office, so it's a little different. I mean, I probably could use it, but we don't have, I'm not at the district level that it would be as a, a, applicable for me to run that tool. So I would love to hear a district who has tried this out and seen what sort of feedback you've gotten from it. So, Thank you for that, Stephanie. The next one up is the priority page in Drive is now available. And um, basically, if I pull up Drive, we now have a new button here at the top left called Priority. And basically, Priority, it's going to use some artificial intelligence, to try to decide what are some things that you probably need access to things that you use frequently and try to get those, you know, ready for you quickly. So you don't have to hunt for them so much and be like, Oh yeah, that's exactly it. You know, here's, um, you know, from the tech conference we just did. Here's the, um, the 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 sign-in sheet from that. I was just using that. Oh, here's our agenda, you know, from today. It says, you often open this around this time <laughs> because I've been working on this agenda for the last couple of months. It's like, yeah, you're in this doc a lot. I bet you could use this doc, Eric. Um, but in addition to using that AI to help sort of suggest what documents you might be looking for. It also has this area below called workspaces. And what it does, it just gives you one more place to keep things organized. So I could say, I want to create a a workspace here. Just make a test space here. And then in that workspace, I can now start adding files to this workspace, uh, 25 files here. And you could say, well, Eric, couldn't you just do this with a folder? Yeah, but the beauty is these don't have to be in the same folder. These can be files from, you know, wherever. You can just have all these files that are somehow related together that you need to be working on and have them all in a workspace. Now, I have not used this myself, um, so can't give you like a you know an opinion on what I think the value is of it. Um, if anybody here has, it would be great to to hear. Uh, it has just you know recently become available, so I've seen the suggestions up here, but I have not worked on uh, doing a workspace yet. I still have just been living in folders, you know, making a folder for any projects that I work on. But that is the priority. So,
1: so I use the workspace, um, Eric. You know how organized I am. Oh and it's my gosh. Really so, about-
0: you, you intimidate me, I tell you,
1: <laughs> in a good way, in um, so a good way. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever used the extension Toby. I have not. Um, but Toby, so Toby's an extension and it takes your tabs. So like Eric, you know, right now has multiple tabs open, which is driving me crazy. But you take those tabs and you put them into like categories on this extension And so that kind of reminded me of what this priority drive slash workspace looks like. And so you take your favorite activity. So like I'm always leading professional development in my district. So I have one that's just professional development and I have everything that needs to be in that area. So that way I can quickly click and add any information to those presentations quickly. I also could see this for teachers, like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then you put all the work that you need for Monday, all the work you need for Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then as you're done, you just unclick and you take it out of that area. Because a lot of my teachers have folders, but then finding it sometimes takes some time because they're like, where did I put that work that I need for this day? And so I can see it being a time saver. Right now, it's kind of a lot of clicks, but I think they could get it down to fewer clicks. It would be a lot better of a workflow, but it is, I think, will help with the organization.
0: That is great. Thank you so much for having that additional insight to share on that. And I apologize that my tabs are making you nervous.
1: <laughs> I, uh, I
0: think, I, I think Stephanie and I will be a good balance to each other. <laughs> I, I could learn some organization from her. I definitely could. Uh, I don't know how I've been this long. Uh, just by luck, I guess. (laughs) But thank you so much. Um, Tell you what, um, let me pause for one second. I saw a question in the YouTube chat that uh, I'll go ahead and uh, answer real quick. Um, And then I do see a workspace question that maybe you can take, uh, Stephanie, since you know more about that. Um, Star had asked about the Read&Write extension to read questions uh, for quizzes. And absolutely. Um, So if you uh, don't know much about that, if you head over to my blog at controlaltachieve.com and if you throw in a slash sped, like for special education, on the end of that, that'll take you to an accommodations uh, page. You can also get there <clears throat> with two clicks. If you just go to controlaltachieve and hit the resources tab at the top and then go down to accommodations, you can get there too. Um, I've got a um, an agenda document for a training I do on Google Tools for Struggling Students, and there's some resources in there about read and write. Um, that would be a good place to start if you're looking for um, some resources on that. Uh, I've already got it installed. I just have it turned off at the moment. I'll turn Read and Write on here real quick. I use an extension called Extensions Manager to manage my extensions just because you know you, you don't want to have too many running at once. This is a good example. You know, I can come in here and click, hey, Read and Write, and turn it back on, and now it's alive again, and I can refresh my page, and um read and write the extension is now available um so basically if i click the little purple puzzle piece for read and write i can close it or open it and what it is is a a toolbar this toolbar can be used inside of google documents it can be used on web pages it can be used in google forms to basically read anything aloud so for example oh here is a sample google form it's not you know, it's just pretend just like, you know, a sample, you know, uh, form here. Um, if I had this as a quiz, we'll pretend it's a quiz. I can, I don't, I don't know that you guys will be able to hear. I don't know that my sound will come through, but if I come up here and I were to, you know, select some text and hit play. And again, I don't know if you're hearing that. I'm not sure if my, if my local sound is coming through, or if you're just hearing my voice, but it did read that aloud to me. Um, and so read and write, will we'll do that. It'll read the text of like a quiz. It would read uh, the text in a Google document. If I went out to a website and I was reading, you know, a current event, you know, article, you know, kids are coming here and they're reading an article and they're struggling. They could, you know, highlight some text and click on read and write and click on the little play button and it would read the text aloud for them. You can also go in and change the voices. There's a little, uh, little drop down uh, three dots button. You can go into the options and you can pick whatever voice you would like it to read in as well as the speed you would like it to read at as well. Now read and write is completely free for that feature. The text-to-speech part, there is no cost whatsoever for that. Um, Highly recommended. I think it's one of the best uh, set of voices and it does a really nice job reading things aloud, not just on web pages, but in documents and in forms. Um, Having said that, if you're a teacher you're allowed to get the full version of Read&Write at no cost whatsoever. So in the agenda document that I had referenced there off of my accommodations page, my session agenda document there, um, I do have a link to install Read&Write, the extension, but then I also have a link that goes out to TextHelp's website, the company that makes Read&Write, and they have a page on there where you can say, hey, I'm an educator, and you just fill that out, say where you work, and basically they upgrade you to the full version at no cost. So you get all of the buttons. That's why all of my buttons are filled in here because it does more than just text to speech, but that's another training for another time. Uh, but to answer your quick question, um, it is a great extension and it does, um, you know, uh, it does, uh, read aloud. And then when you are, um, doing a quiz in locked mode, um, it is one of those things like Stephanie had mentioned that, uh, Uh, They've worked with Google to allow this to still run when you're in locked mode, because the idea of locked mode is we want to, you know, not allow students to jump to another page. We also wouldn't want them to maybe bring up an extension like Google Dictionary to let them define a word or something like that. Uh, Read and write, though, is one of the ones that um, works with locked mode. Awesome. Uh, Stephanie, I think there was a question from Dan about the Workspace. Does the Workspace open all the files in it at once?
1: I don't think it does at the moment, but I would love that feature. Uh, I was trying to play with it, and I don't think there was a button that allowed me to do that. All right. I can hide the Workspace, I can remove it, and I can rename it, Um, but it does not look like you can open it all at once.
0: All right. Well, looks like we have three more updates left. I think, uh, Tag, you're it, Stephanie, on originality reports.
1: Yeah, so this next one, I haven't played with a whole lot because I think it just came out right on August 14th and we've been dealing with back to school craziness. Yes. I'm sure everybody else has too, yeah. yes. um, but this looks really cool. I had a lot of teachers, you know, come to me last year and they're like, my students are, you know, they're using plagiarism, how do I catch them? And, I think this is our kind of solution. The only thing is in beta, you will have unlimited access. So if you do sign up for the beta, you will get unlimited tries. Once it's out of beta, you're only going to get three documents per classroom for an entire year, I believe. Is is that correct, correct, Eric? No? Okay.
0: You are correct, yes.
1: Um, So that is the downfall. So don't get like two into this and then know that it's going to be only three next year unless you do have Google um, Enterprise and it will be the unlimited and so what you do is you just are in Google classroom and you create an assignment and then you can click a button and it will allow you to check the originality report and it will show you where the information is pulling from and if the student did plagiarize or not so before this we were using DraftBack as a workaround and it's an extension And teachers would watch this video, you know, to see if students were copying and pasting information or using revision history to see if they were putting in multiple texts at once. Um, So I can see this being a really huge hit with my ELA teachers.
0: Absolutely. Um, And I know Google has also marketed this as a tool for students to use as well so yes the teacher can come in here and they can um run this to check on you know potential plagiarism but Google's also encouraging, hey, students, use this before you turn something in to make sure, Mm -hmm. have you cited things properly? You know, are there things in here that, hey, this is uh, almost a word-for-word quote from this web page out there. You better check, have you properly put the quotes around it and the citation, or do you need to maybe rethink how you've used this text in there? Um, So a student would be able to run it prior to turning things in as well as a teacher running it after the fact. Um, which I like that philosophy. You know, it's not just about catching the kids. It's about, you know, helping them monitor themselves better as well. Um, and as far as how often the students can use it, I saw Jennifer had a question about that. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing. So if you're using the the free version like right now in beta, there's no limit. Anybody can use it as much as they want. Once you sign up for the beta and, and use it. Um, but once the beta is over, if you're not using enterprise, it's, It can be used, let's put it this way, it can be used on three assignments per classroom. Now, I imagine you could probably run it more than once on the same assignment. It's just that you're picking three assignments in the year, and the teacher is going to pick those assignments. So you would say something like, um, uh, yeah, per classroom per year, yes, three assignments per classroom per year. So you could say, okay, we've got this big term paper. We're going to use it for that and then pick two others. You know, maybe you've got a big paper each semester. Then you've got some other assignment that carries a lot of weight and you're like, okay, these are the three. There's the ones we're going to use it on. And uh, then the students and you could use it for those. Excellent. I wish it was free though. Yeah. I, that's one of those that I've, I've been keeping a cautiously optimistic, but, Skeptical eye on G Suite Enterprise since it was announced um, like a year ago. How long has that been? It's been a little a year and a half ago. And so far, most of the stuff that's come out in the enterprise version of G Suite, I've been like, eh, yeah, you know, it's like really high level reporting things dealing with security stuff. Like, yeah, that's valuable, but you know, I focus mostly on integration. You know, and so it's like, eh, you know, well. <laughs> the fact that Hangouts on air went away and it's only an enterprise. That was the first one. And now this originality reports, er, that's another one I'd be like, ah, this, why, why can't this just be part of regular G suite? So yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. All right. Um, next up, We have uh, Google's Socratic mobile app. So this was not created by Google, but was purchased by Google and is now getting uh, some updates through Google. So Socratic is an app that's been around for a while. um, And now Google's bought it and they're using AI in combination with it. Now, the new version is available on iOS right now and not Android yet. So I have not been able to play with the new version. I've only played with the old one, but even the old one, oh my gosh, the old one was fantastic um, even before it got the update. So what is Socratic? Well, basically it's to help students while they're studying to get additional information on what they're studying about. So what I mean by that is they can literally just take their phone, take the camera on their phone and take a picture of the, the page of their textbook. And it will use AI to scan through the textbook page, figure out what the topics are that are being covered and then bring up videos and websites and resources that, cover that information in a different way to help them go, oh, now I understand it. It's also great for math problems. You can just point it at a math problem and it will solve the math problem for you step by step, show you how it's being solved. But then also it'll bring up videos and resources that explain how that works, how that's being done. Now, the old version did that. It definitely did that. And the old version lets you type in like, topics you were interested in uh and it would search for resources for you the new one though is allowing you to do the hey let's take a picture of a web page or of a, of a, a textbook page and also it has this new topic index thing where you can just browse through and pick any topic and start drilling down and they've got over a thousand different topics where they've got uh uh, subject guides to help you through that. Now, this is certainly going to open up some concerns. I get it when somebody says, you know, oh my gosh, you know, you could just point this at a, at a, at a math equation. Yeah, I, I've done it. You just you can hand write it out, take a picture of it, and it solves it step by step and shows you how to do it. It's not the first tool to do that. Others have done it. Um, so yes, teachers need a heads up that this tool will be in students' hands, but it's also going to be Let's have good discussions about how can you use this properly and not, you know, abuse it and uh, just use it to, you know, do your work. But how can we use this as as a as a tool to assist um, us as well? So this one was, it's one of those um, uh, kind of eye-opener ones where every now and then you get an app like that where you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, it feels sci-fi you know it's like the first time you use google translate mobile app and you point it at a sign in a different language and it translates into english live for you you know in the sign itself this is one of those things if you've never done this write out a math equation point this app at it and watch it solve it and it's like that's spooky (laughs) so uh wanted to uh
2: highlight that one all
1: right yeah i wish i had that one when i was in school um it definitely uses you know video too. It had, on one of the examples, it had like a YouTube example. And so students have now multiple ways to access how to learn that material. They can see an example, they can see it solved step by step, or they could see a YouTube video. And another thing that they were doing was with vocabulary. I know a lot of my students, they struggle with knowing the vocabulary words. So using that to help them understand different vocabulary words that goes along with the curriculum.
0: Excellent. Very good. I'm closing out of some of my tabs to reduce Stephanie's anxiety here.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Um, The next one is Google Go app. (laughs) And so I use, I have a Google Pixel, and so I've been using, you know, the Google Lens. And this is just a great way for uh, if you're traveling, it will translate, you know, different words. It takes a sign and it will translate it to that language that you need it to translate to. I know with the Google Lens, there was like a couple times where I saw a couple of shoes that I really liked. You can take a picture of them and it pops up where you can find them and buy them. Um, so very cool app that you could download on your phone. I think it's only available for Android. Is that correct?
0: You are correct. This one at the yeah. moment is just Android, but I'm hoping you know it'll also be iOS eventually. Um, I tried yeah. out too. I know originally the history behind this app. It was really not developed uh, with all of this so much in mind as it was developed for places in the world, maybe some countries, maybe some impoverished areas where Wi-Fi wasn't strong, where cell signals weren't strong. Um, And it was meant to be like a light version of Google search where a lot of the heavy lifting was done on the device and would use you know connectivity as little as possible but it's kind of grown since then and now it's available to everybody and um the thing that i've been using it for and i've really loved this is the text-to-speech feature of it Now i know we just talked about read and write with text-to-speech well if you open up google go and you just run a search for whatever Whatever page it brings up, it has a little play button right at the bottom, and you just click the play button, and it reads the page to you, and not that there's not other tools that can do that, but it's so easy, and so I've been finding myself going to it a lot, so if you're looking for assistive technology help, or if you're just like me, and you're busy, and you're traveling, and whatever, I typically use uh, Pocket to have things read aloud when I'm traveling. I'll save things to the Pocket app, because Pocket has a text-to-speech tool, which is great. I love that. But now this is just another option. I can just pull Google Go up, throw something in real quick, and whatever it brings up, I can just hit the play button and it reads it aloud to me. And it does a really good job. It's real quick and easy. So just another one to consider for assistive tech, but also for all of us who are busy in our lives. All right. Stephanie, I think we did it. I think we got through three months of content. Now, we obviously skipped over a bunch of things. We would encourage you at your own time, please do feel free to click on the other resource links in those sections. We're gonna move on to Q&A and show and tell now, Um, but um, if there was something we did not cover, It doesn't mean it wasn't valuable. It just meant that for the sake of the time we have together, we tried to pick the ones that we thought would have the most impact on educators. Uh, But definitely do check through the other updates from June, July, and August if there's something you want to stay in the loop on. Uh, So what we're going to do now is we're going to move on to Q&A and show and tell. Uh, Q&A is a chance if you guys have any uh, questions for the group. Uh, Now, Stephanie, I know this first question you're intimately connected to because it was from you and answered by you. So uh, why don't you go ahead and chat about the first question here?
1: Um, So a lot of my teachers, they like to create, you know, contacts, but it's time consuming. So they like to add all their parents into a label on Google contacts. And a lot of my teachers were doing that just fine. And then I had one teacher that was created a contact, and for that contact, she had three different people under that one contact. It was the mom, the stepmom, the dad. And so when she was sending an email to that label, it was only pulling that first contact. And it was really, really annoying, and we could not figure it out. And then finally, I went to another teacher, and I was like, I don't know how to fix this. And she was like, oh, you just do this. So when you're in Gmail, you just click that to button, and all of your um, contacts come up for that group. And so I made a video of how to do that if you're not familiar with it. And it was just really helpful because all my teachers, they've been using those, they've been using those groups because they like to send out parent newsletters or any updates like, hey, the room's really cold today, so bring a coat. Um, or hey, we're going to be needing a packed lunch today. So they like to send those quick emails to those contact groups, but for some reason, when it was under one contact person, it was only sending to that first contact. So I was like, well, next year, just do three different ones. For now, we're gonna export and just get the spreadsheet and we're gonna copy and paste, but this was the um, actual answer that we were able to find. So I hope it helps somebody else that was dealing with that. Um, Also, if your teachers do create contact groups, they can export and then import. Those groups. So then teachers only have to type their homeroom like on our school district. um, We've got teachers. They're in teams of three. So they've got a math teacher. They've got a science social studies teacher and they have an ELA teacher. And so one of the teachers will put their homeroom in and then they just share all of those contacts together with the three different groups and save a lot of time that way. Um, I have another teacher that does a Google form where. The parents fill out a Google form with all their information because our Infinite Campus is not always up to date with the information. And she's able to just copy and paste and make um, an email that way. So think about the workarounds and save time doing this. Don't make extra work on yourself. So that is the answer for what I figured out. (laughs) I hope it's helpful for someone.
0: Well, and that's probably the case. If if you've struggled with it, somebody else has to as well. And it is great that you were able to follow that to its conclusion. Well, awesome. Um, I did see a question here about is there a registration page for the Kent Learning Innovations Conference? And um, um, it does not look like registration was open for it yet it had a call for proposals. But when we went to the website, I did not see a registration page. So my guess is it probably um, is still to come. They just haven't posted the registration link for that. Um, And by the way, the Kent Learning Innovations Conference, just for what it's worth. um, It's sort of a, uh, it is new. This is a new conference. But it is a response to the change um, with uh, the Neotech Conference. Uh, the Neotech Conference has been held at Kent for many years, not forever, but for many years. And as it grew, the Neotech uh, tech conference needed a bigger venue and went to um, the Cleveland Convention Center. And so, with a little bit of a vacancy that leaves now, Kent State wanted to help fill that with the Learning Innovations Conference. And that's the purpose behind having this conference. So, it is something new uh, for them. And so, um, you know, just keep checking the site um, as they continue to roll that out. I do see a question here about any way to add audio to Google Slides. And I think uh, we'll have Jake jump in here and mention something because I see he put a link in for clarification. Um, I'm still very optimistic that everybody will have this feature here eventually. Um, The thing was, back in, I don't know, was it early summer, Google announced hey, actually it was late spring hey, we're going to add audio to Google Slides which um, I, I mean I do have it on most of my accounts but not all of them like if I create a new slideshow and I go up to the insert menu I have the audio feature there and I can click audio and then I can go to my drive and I can grab you know an audio file from my drive hit select and it drops it in then I can you know play that on the slide and it's, it's awesome it's, it's really it's, it's cool um, but what ended up happening was they were having some glitches it wasn't working for everybody and so Google put a pause on the rollout but the way they worded it sounded optimistic like we're going to get this fixed you know and it'll it'll get to everybody eventually but i know people are just like going crazy in the meantime uh jake what did you want to share on that
2: so i popped in there uh just a link to a a gif on my website of course it's a gif that shows how to use youtube videos and kind of hide them in the bottom corner of the slide or maybe just just off the slide there and you can uh, use that to be able to see how to um how to get some audio playing, but it only works while you're on that slide. So then you go to the next slide, and then you'd have to have like a new video playing there. So it really isn't what we need. I know there was also a app out there from EdTech team at some point in time right. uh, for adding audio to slides, but I can't find it in the Chrome Web Store. It looks like well, maybe. It,
0: yeah, and I, you're right. It um, it opened up like a separate resource. You know, if you had the add-on installed, that would play the audio. Um, so again, it was truly not adding audio to slides it was adding audio to a a resource that ran alongside with it you know um what google is putting is this is the right tool that google is developing you know and it works great i mean i've I've used it um but um it's just on pause at the moment um again it's one of those things i hope continues to develop because as much as i think it's awesome um, it does require you to have previously recorded the audio, put it in your drive and shared it. What I would love to see once they get this unpaused and start rolling it out to everybody again is to keep developing it so that you could click add audio and just get a record button right there and just you know, hit record and record your audio and it saves it to your drive and shares it automatically and you know that would make it even easier. But at the moment, I know people would just be happy to have the feature at all. So, all right. All right. Excellent. Um, So we are, I think, done with the Q&A. Don't see any others there. And I'm keeping an eye on our chat on the side to see if any other cues have popped up there that need an A. And I think we're okay. I do see there was some... um, Uh, Some questions from Aaron, but it looks like Stephanie's addressing that. Awesome. Um, So what we're going to do, and we'll we'll swing back around to questions again. Um, So please keep on. If you guys have more questions, just throw them in the Q&A section, throw them in the chat. Um, The last portion of our meeting is show and tell. And basically, this is a chance to share what awesome things, are you doing with G Suite? What are you doing in your schools? What's a cool extension you found? What's a neat hack you've come across? You know, any resource to share. And we are so thrilled to have uh, Jake Miller with us today uh, to to share uh, some show and tell. So we're going to start with Jake so that we don't run out of time and he gets cut short. So we're going to let Jake do uh, uh, his thing and share his resources. And then when Jake finishes, Stephanie and I will go through some of these other bulleted ones, which are just things that, again, caught our eye something over the last you know month or so we're like oh that's kind of cool let's throw that in there um, and uh, we'll you know try to share as many of these as we can in that time uh, but Jake uh, let's turn it over to you and if you um, and again I apologize I am not uh, a zoom user. Uh, expert yet. So if this is something, Jake, that you need to be able to uh, share your screen, I think that would be awesome. If you want me yep. to simply bring things up, that's great. Um, you may have to coach me on
2: <laughs> How to <teach> your screen <laughs> showing up instead of mine. Yep. I've got a share button over here. So I think that'll work out fine. Why don't you uh, do that? And let's see if it yeah. works. Okay. Let's see. You can. Oh, it says you cannot start screen share while the other participant is sharing. Okay. So, so I'm so, going
0: to, so that sounds like I, will stop sharing my screen. All right. So I'm gonna come up here and I'm going to stop sharing my screen. All right.
2: Now right. Let's see. Oh, now it then, says what screen, which of the 20 screens did you have open right now, Jake, would you like to share? So now I find the one I wanna share. Okay, here we go. That's my face there, I bet. Okay, now do you have my screen there with the Google Doc open?
0: Um, I do see that and I'm gonna refresh the live stream to make sure it looks like it actually, yes.
2: I, you got a spreadsheet there now?
0: I do. You look good. Okay. I think it's working. Perfect.
2: Okay, so so a little bit of kind of like background to this, uh, what, what I want to talk about here. One is uh, my passion really is to talk about ed tech for teaching and learning. And, and that's what I do through Educational Duct Tape on the podcast. And last night, we had our first Twitter chat, which was just It was intense. It was a lot of people and they're talking, but my hobby, so that's my passion is talking about how to change the learning experience for kids. But my hobby is just really geeking out about spreadsheets. And so when I get a chance to present somewhere, you know, I'll do a session on educational duct tape, which is kind of getting everybody, you know, in the right mindset for integrating technology. And then I kind of do a a geek out session for the people who have some basic understanding of Google Sheets and are kind of ready to ramp it up and use some more formulas. And what I, what I call that session is MVFs, most valuable formulas. So I'm going to do just a couple things from out of that session, so like an hour session, do a couple things that people tend to be like, whoa, I didn't know you could do that. Some some things that are just general parts of my workflow uh, that I think can help people. But I also do um, a a project now called GIF a day where I I take different GIFs, different tips. Currently it's about Google Sheets and send one out an email per day. So there's a link there in the notes if you're interested in signing up for one of the future iterations of it. But a few of the things I'm gonna show you here actually are part of GIF a day, but I'm just gonna show you kind of some previews here. So the first thing, I've got this Google Sheet here. I will share the link to this after after I'm done going through it all so that you guys could go back and look over the stuff if you want to. Um, I didn't want to share it now and have, I don't know, risk the file slowing down or something like that while I was presenting on it. Um, so the first thing I'll show in here is just how to do basic formulas in Google Sheets. So up here, I've got the numbers uh, one, two, three up here. And if I want to do, let's say I want to do like I don't know, add five to that and multiply it by two. So I could, the formula always starts with the equal sign. To put in a cell reference, you just click on the cell, okay, or you could type in A1 for this one in particular. And then if I want to add five and multiply two, that's not an X, it's an asterisk, multiply two, I can just type it in like that. Now, one thing to know here is Google Sheets does follow order of operations here. So if it added five and then multiplied by two, I should get 12 if my math is correct there what I expect to get here is 11 because I'm telling it to follow order of operations. so it should do that multiplication first I could enter let's see oh oh, there it is 11 okay so as as expected it did the multiplication first and then the addition so that's a nice thing for math teachers to talk about with their kids now one thing that I show whenever I do this uh this mbf session or when I do the the gif a day gifts one of the things in there is how to fill down most people know that if you grab this little box, I call it the fill down box, I don't know what its official name is, and pull it down, it'll bring that pattern or that data or that information down into those other cells you're, you're highlighting. So it's gonna bring it down to this row and this row. And notice that it smartly intelligently says, I'm betting this time you want A2, not A1. And I'm betting this time you want A3, not A1. So it updates it to go down there. So here it's doing three add it on to five times two, which is 10. So it brings it down. Now, most people know that about sheets. The thing that most people don't know is if I double click on this, it'll fill that formula down or whatever's in that cell down for as long as there's some data or something adjacent to it. So if I double click, 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 it fills it down all the way to here, which obviously going down two cells, I don't really need help doing that. But if this is a large sheet of data, that could really add on, you know, a little time saver for you there. So it goes down to the three because that's the last spot where I have data in there. So if I had data here and here and here, it would also pull it down into those. Okay. So two fill down options. One is to pull the fill down box down. The other is to double click it and it'll kind of automatically go down if there's stuff in there to have it go down into. Now, while on the topic of fill down, I want to show there's two different ways that fill down works. One is if you just have one thing and you pull it down, what it's going to do is just copy that value into all of those cells. So this is nice if you want certain row labels or column labels to be in each of those spots because you can also go left to right with the two and it's going to copy that exact thing in there. Now if you highlight a pattern and then pull it down, it will take that series down. So now if I take this down, oops, now if I take this down here with them both highlighted, it's going to give me three and four because it's going to continue that pattern. It'll also actually, if instead of one, two in here, if I had one, five nine so it's going up by four if i highlight that and pull it down it's going to continue adding by four so it's intelligent in the way that it pulls down it works with a lot of other stuff too Like if i put in um sunday and monday and then highlight them both and pull that down you'll see it continue that pattern down it'll actually loop too and do do uh, consecutive days it does a lot of other stuff not just uh, the days of the week. It does the months. It does dates intelligently. If I put in the dates in August, it's going to flip at the end of August to September dates. Uh, the fill down feature is really nice uh, in Google Sheets. That's that's basic formulas and that's fill down. So let's let's jump now to kind of combining formulas. There's a lot of formulas just built into Google Sheets. So, for example, I have this list of fake student heights here and let's say I want to find out who the tallest one is. It would probably be my kid because my kids are all trees thanks to to me. (laughs) So, if I want to do that, I would use the max formula and I could say max of this data here. Okay, so from A2 to A19, and I hit enter, and it's going to find me that maximum number. Now, it, it, it's intelligent in how it updates. So if I go in here and I change this 36-inch kid to being 51 inches, which that kid would love, I'm sure, it automatically changes that piece of data right there to be 51. If I want to do the shortest kid, it's equals min and then the same thing. Now, one formula that we use in math classes that is not in Google Sheets, it's something in like middle school math in Ohio, at least, is finding the range, the distance from that shortest to that tallest. Okay, That doesn't exist. There's not an equals range formula, which is easy to tell because when you start typing it in, it doesn't predict it, which, which when I start typing in max, there it is right there. But if I start typing in range, nothing comes up. So one thing people often don't realize is that you can actually combine formulas. So I could type in equals. One option here is I could just click this cell and subtract from it that cell and that will give me the range since I happen to have them here. Or I could actually put those actual formulas in. So I could do equals max of, it was A2 to A19 minus min of A2 to A19. Okay hit enter, and it's going to do that math for me and subtract 51 minus 36. And again, it'll automatically update. So now if I change this kid who's 51 inches to 54 inches, we see all of that data is updating there. Okay. Now, what if I want to keep adding heights to this list? So if I come down here and I add like Minute Bold to this list and he's 70, I don't even know, 84 inches tall, he's not going to show up as being the tallest student because it's set to only go down to row, I'm sorry, row 19, A19, and i had put that into A20. So I'm not gonna get that piece of data into that formula. So one little shortcut to do that is if you take out this number and make it be A2 to A, that means go from A2 all the way down to the bottom of column A. Now that only works if you don't have other data getting in the way in column A, but now if I do that, zoom back out here, you see it's found minute as the, as the height right there. And so if I can do the same thing to here, take out the 19 to here, take out the 19 and take out the 19. And now if I continue adding students to this list, it'll continue showing them in there. So that is um, a little trick to get a whole column of data in there. And that is don't have a certain cell to end the, end the range with, end it with just the column name and it'll go down through uh, that whole thing, okay? So that's combining some formulas together and selecting an entire column uh, of data to use in a formula. Now, the next thing I wanna show you is the dollar sign. This is, oops, as I opened as I, as I open the wrong spreadsheet tool there on accident, that's not the one I want. Uh, next is the, the dollar sign tool. Now, this is something that people don't realize is here and they often get caught by this mistake here, this issue. So let's say I have these example meal prices and I wanna make a spreadsheet of how much I should pay including the tip. Well, that's relatively easy. I could do equals the meal price times So an asterisk, I'm sorry, equals the meal price plus added on to itself times 18%. And it will intelligently use the 18% and multiply correctly. Now if I'd enter, here we go, $12. That's 18% of 10 added on to 10. And that gives me that exact price that, that I need there. Now that works wonderful. But if I then fill that down, think about what you expect to get down here, right? We expect this to be something like 17 or 18 and this to be something around 20. By the way, I think, my, I think it's not showing decimal points here. Let me increase the number of decimals it's showing. There we go. That's a more accurate number there. So anyhow, we expect this to be somewhere around 17 and watch what happens when I pull it down. 192, that's gonna be the kid's best tip ever at that restaurant. That doesn't make sense. So what's going wrong there? Watch if I pull this down the whole way, just double click. I gotta pay this waiter $96,525, oh my gosh. Well, what's happening here is Google thinks it's helping us out by changing these cell references for us to give us the cell that uh, that it thinks that I'm talking about. So look back to the first one. I was doing B3, that's this, plus B3, that's itself, times C2, so times the tip amount. So when I go down, it's gonna change the B3s to B4s, because that's $15, that's what we want. But it's going to change the C2, that's the eighteen percent, to eleven eighty. So what it's actually doing, as I look at this and you see it highlight the cells for me, is it's taking fifteen dollars and then adding to that fifteen dollars times eleven dollars and eighty cents, which is going to give me a huge tip. Okay, and then here it's going to do it not just with that, but it's going to use one hundred ninety two. As the, as the part of that multiplication problem. This is Jerry Seinfeld level tips. I don't know if you've ever heard him talk about tips, but he likes to, he says you got to tip like you're a celebrity. So anyhow, I don't tip that way. So I need to fix this. And the way to fix this is using the dollar sign. What the dollar sign does in a formula is it locks a certain part of the formula. Well, I want, as I fill this down, I want the B3 to become B4. So I don't need to lock that. And I want the b uh, 3 here to become B4 because I'm moving down a row. However, I want to stick this with C2, that 18%. So if I stick a dollar sign in here, it's not going to change my answer. But now watch when I fill it down. Ah, that makes sense more. And see, now when I look at these formulas, you see that it changed to B4 as I wanted to. But it locked it into C2. Now, I could put the dollar sign also in front of the C, but in this situation, because I'm going down a column, it doesn't matter. It locks that, that, that 2 is the thing that I really care about. Now, a shortcut to doing that, what people in uh, spreadsheet careers typically do, is instead of doing that, they'll also actually just quickly put in the dollar signs using a keyboard shortcut, which is F4. So watch if I click F4 on my computer, it automatically puts those dollar signs in there. Now, the important, it puts in front of the C as well, which I don't need it in front of the C, but it's going to work just fine in front of the C, okay? Uh, and then fill in those formulas correctly for them as I pull it down. I've just got to be careful. If I did put the dollar signs in for B3, then I'm going to keep selecting uh, tip amounts based off of a $10 meal, which my meal is not $10 here, it's 15, and not 10 here, it's 20, and not 10 here, it's 25. So you got to be careful about where you put those dollar signs in, and that'll get those formulas to calculate correctly. Okay. As we move in education to be, being data collectors and data analyzers about our students, we need to be able to kind of proficiently use certain things in Google Sheets. That's why I enjoy uh, telling teachers about them. I'm going to show you one more thing, which is the formula import range, because it's the thing that people ask me about the most when they hear that I am relatively good with spreadsheets. And that's how can I bring in stuff from one spreadsheet. To another spreadsheet like I have this list of data and uh, but our whole school and I want to get in data about each of our individual students how can I do that well one simple well, way is the import range formula so if I want from this spreadsheet over here to pull this student list into this spreadsheet that I'm in here I could use the import range formula so the way it works is equals import range Okay, there's the formula and it shows me in in the parentheses, you need two things. You need the URL to that spreadsheet and you need a range string to tell me what part of the spreadsheet you want, which allows me to then ignore certain parts of the spreadsheet. Okay, so I'm going to come over here and get that URL. Okay, so that's the URL for the spreadsheet I'm taking data from. And then in here, I'm going to put it in. Uh, It's got to be in quotation marks. So there it is in quotation marks. Okay, so I have import range and then in quotation marks, the URL to that other spreadsheet, I'm getting stuff from here, okay? And then comma, and I've got to tell it what area I want. You can see the formatting here. So it's gotta be in quotation marks, and I gotta figure out what was the name of that sheet. Okay, it's sheet one. Okay, so I jump back over here. So sheet, I zoom out so I could see this, the formatting here, because I always forget. Sheet one then an exclamation point, don't ask me why, and then A1 to whatever I want. Let's say let's say I want C15, and it's gonna bring in everything in that range. I close the quotation marks, I close the parentheses, and I hit enter. Now you'll see it won't pop up, actually it did pop up automatically. Sometimes it doesn't pop up automatically, and the reason for that is it's gonna ask you for permission first, for whatever reason, it could tell in this situation that I have permission to pull that data in, okay? Now, so it's taking the data that's in this first tab here, Okay, right here and pulling it into this tab here. Now notice I, I can't make changes here. If I hit, if I delete, it, w- it won't let me, it won't let me affect it here because this is just the place where it's showing up. But I can come back here and change Katie's name. Maybe I spelled that wrong. Maybe it's actually K-D-I-E, it's, it's not. But then over here, it automatically updates to have the IE in there. So I can automatically have that updating uh, as I go through and do, do make different changes. So you can update the source and the destination will update as well. Now one, and this will be the last thing I show so we can get some other show and tell in, one uh, area that is super useful in is doing VLOOKUPs. VLOOKUPs are are probably one of the most powerful and coolest formulas you could use in Google Sheets. It could take data from this set of information, let's make it a little bigger so it's easy for you to see, and pull it to different places, okay? So let's say over here in this V, Hmm. I don't want to listen to music right now. <laughs> Let's say over here in this VLOOKUP tab, I have a list of students who have uh, detentions coming up, okay? Probably not, not surprised by which students are in that list there. And I need to notify their homeroom teacher. Now, maybe, maybe I don't know all of the homeroom teachers, but I know that over here in this, this tab, I have a list of all of the students and who their homeroom teacher is. So I could use VLOOKUP to find that for me. So I use equals VLOOKUP. Okay, that means vertical lookup. There's also hlookup, which looks up data that's ar- arranged horizontally, okay, but uh, vertically is just this is the way we typically organize our data. So I use vlookup and it says search key. In other words, what are you looking for? Okay, I'm looking for Jeff Spicoli, so A2, okay, and then comma, what, what range do you wanna look in for this? So I'm just gonna jump over to here and I'm gonna say I'm looking in this range right here, A to C, it tells me import range A to C, okay. And then which location in that range am I looking for the match? So is it in the first column, the second column or the third column? Well, the name will show up in the first column. So one, okay. And then is this data sorted in alphabetical order, true or false? And here it's not. So I'm put in false. And then when I come back over here, I'm gonna come back so you can see it happen. When I come back over here and hit enter. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I messed up there. It's saying Jeff Spicoli. The reason is I made a little mistake here. This is the number, the index number of the answer that I want. So here, The student name is in first column. The ID number is the second column. I want the homeroom teacher, which is in the third column. So now I could put in a three here, and it's going to tell me Mr. Hand is his homeroom teacher. Okay, He does not appreciate when Jeff orders pizza at a (laughs) homeroom. If I pull this down, we'll see that it'll do this for each of these now. So I know now that Zach's teacher is Miss Bliss. Here's Jeff. His homeroom teacher is still Mr. Hand. B- Ferris Bueller's teacher is still Ben Stein, and Katie's teacher is still Miss Norberry. Now, if I put in somebody else here, so let's say I put in uh, Potter, comma, Harry, and I pull this formula down one more notch, we're going to find that Miss McGonigal is his homeroom teacher. So it's automatically jumping back to that sheet and looking at that piece of information. Now, it only works if these two different pieces of information are within the same spreadsheet, just on different tabs or on the same tab. um, And that's why I needed the import range to pull it in. Okay. And that does that really handy for me. We want to actually do a bonus for you guys here too. And that is filter view. So we, we all probably know how to filter. Let's say I turn on filtering right here and say, I only want to see the filters from August 30th. Or the, or the detentions for August 30th. Now that's that's wonderful for me, but if Eric is on the other end trying to look at this spreadsheet and he was looking at the ones for tomorrow or the 31st, he can't find them because I've now filtered them out. So instead of doing that, instead of doing a filter like that when it, when it affects somebody else, what I like to do is what's called a filter view. So click this little drop down here and click create, fil- create new filter view and you see how it puts this black bar around everything. and I can give it a name and I'm going to call this August 30th. Okay. And I'm going to filter right here down to just August 30th. But if Eric is looking at this spreadsheet on his end, he's still seeing August 31st. Let me prove it here. So let me, uh, duplicate this tab and this new version of the tab. Let's see if the filter view pops up. It probably will. Yeah, there's the filter view. I'm going to exit the filter view. And in this tab, I can still see everything. But in this tab, I still see the filter view. That wouldn't work that way if it was just a filter. It would just show me the same filter in both tabs. Now, the extra nice thing here is now I can close this filter view and come up here to, uh, I'm sorry, come to this little filter drop down here. And there is that filter view. Okay, so I can come back to that whenever I want to. And the super nice thing about that is if I click on it, we'll notice up here in the uh, the URL that here at the very end of the URL, it says and FVID, so filter view identification equals. So this number here, this part of the URL will send me directly to this filter view. So if you need to say to a teacher, I want you to just look at your data in here. You can make a filter view for just that teacher and send it to them. Or hey, you're in charge of detentions for August 30th. Here's a filter of just the kids you're getting. Now they can click the X and see everything else in the spreadsheet, uh, b- but it does trim that information down so just seeing it. There's a billion things as you can tell that I would love to share with you guys about spreadsheets, but these are just some of my very favorites that I think when I show people, they're like, whoa, that's awesome, I, I, like now I could use filter views because I always hate when I'm working in a school and I'm looking at a certain set of data and my filter messes up somebody else's view or their filter messes up my view, but all of these other formulas too really helps be proficient in there. And again, last thing I'm going to do here, I've got the link prepared here. I'm going to copy this link and I'll pop this link right into the notes so everybody can get to that and look back at these formulas and things like that.
0: Well, that is fantastic. Uh, thank you so much, Jake. And, uh, um, if you get a a moment, uh, Jake, I do know there were uh, a couple of comments in the YouTube chat. Um, and if there's something there you want to either, uh, respond to or take note of. Uh, I see Dan had had a comment about uh, named ranges. And um, so uh, I didn't want to put you on the spot. Just wanted to
2: give you a heads up. That's a great one. So Dan, that's a great point. So what Dan's talking about there is in uh, this situation here, when I had to bring in this, where am I at? It's my range here, import range here. When I had to find this certain range name right here or here in the, I forget where the other place I was doing that at was, uh, but there were two different places where I was bringing it in and I had to figure out how do I type this information in here and I had to do that quotation marks and the sheet name and everything like that. What he's saying is that you can actually select a certain area of a form of, I'm not showing my screen here, Am I? put my screen back up there. Uh, what Dan was saying there is that in this situation here, when I had to type in the name of this range here, instead of figuring out exactly how to type that in, I could just actually name my ranges. And so I think, Uh, Dan, you might have to correct me here. I think I, I click it, I right click on it and it's not get linked. Oh, define named range, I believe. Yeah. And then I can give that range a name and I select what area it's going to be. So right now it's column a, and that will let me, um, reference that a little bit easier. So I can give it a name, like, I don't know, detentions or whatever. And then I just have to type in that detent that name range makes it a lot easier uh, than going through and doing all that, um, you know, figure out what tab I'm in, what sheet I'm in, what rows I want, what columns I want to type it all in. I can just name the range in advance.
0: Well, again, I
2: other questions here. I think, that I think is fantastic.
0: Have- yeah. Yeah. Take a look and see if you see anything else in there. I'm going to go ahead. Um, and um, I was going to switch over to sharing the screen too, but let's see if there's any more. There's a, uh, a star saying, um, I'm using conditional formatting and have a color code for when the word is entered. Um, only does that sell? How do you do the whole row? Oh yeah, that's a great one. I don't know if you wanted to show so I, them that. I've yeah. uh, played around with that a little bit in the past as well too. That's a that's a nice one. But if you've got that handy,
2: yeah. So if I go, if I go in here, uh, oh gosh, the whole row. I you know, sorry, I've always got to look up that that question. I
0: do it too. It was yeah. uh, uh, Ben Ben Collins has yes, a, Ben Collins
2: is fantastic. Ben,
0: so benlcollins.com dot uh, com. He has a wonderful blog post on that. Um, And I do the exact same thing. You know, if you do a quick search there, he's got one on conditional formatting in an entire row. I'm trying to remember, I'd have to look it up as well, just like you're doing. And I've used it whenever I do like, oh, I've got this one that I was inspired by. um, I think Amy Rodinger had done one and it inspired me where it was like a, a task checklist that as you go in and check things off, it highlights the whole row and, you know, crosses it off as being done, and I used that um, uh, that approach that Ben shared for that, um, and so I guess the question is, if you want to take a moment and look that up, uh, we can chat yeah. about a few other things, and then um, and then you can give us the uh, answer to that, because I don't remember it either,
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so,
0: we'll, uh, we'll divide and conquer here. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen again. Um, so, give this a moment to pop back over here and let me make sure that's coming up okay. Good. Looks like it is. Excellent. Just making sure, double checking. So while Jake is looking that up, um, Stephanie and I are going to do just a little bit of chatting here about some other show and tell items. And again, we may not do every single one here. Doesn't mean they're not valuable. Please click all the links here just for the sake of time. Uh, We all have uh, lives we need to get back to. And so we're going to uh, be very careful that we do not go beyond the three o'clock time, maybe not even quite that long. Um, But we always try to keep it between one and three for this uh, particular. particular uh, meeting. So um, in the show and tell section, um, I'm going to go ahead and mention a couple of quick things at the start here, and then I'll turn it over to Stephanie, give her a chance to uh, look at what she wants to share in there. Uh, The first two bullets in there are some things from my blog. Um, The first one was one I did this summer when I was doing a training at, um, I believe this was the Great Plains Summit in Lincoln, Nebraska. And I wanted to try something a little different than Much, much, much like Jake, most of my sessions are what's a creative way to (laughs) use technology in the classroom, you know, and that's what I love, 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 love that stuff. Well, another thing, though, that I'm passionate about is is work-life balance and emotional health and mental health and well-being. And that's something that I've been focusing a lot more on um, in the last few years and starting to share more about. And so I did do a blog post. Um, I haven't really pushed this one out much yet. I'll probably do a podcast episode to go along with it here shortly, but it was originally created for that training. And so if you follow the link here, it'll take you out to a post I did back in July on digital well-being. And what I focused on were tools, mostly Google-friendly tools, Googly related tools, um, but not just Google. I mean it's it's beyond just that. I mean it does go outside of that, but tools to help balance that, you know, technology and life that Let's face it, guys, there is no end to Facebook. You can scroll forever. You know, there's always another tweet. There's always another email. There's always another podcast. It can consume our lives. And it's good stuff. Don't get me wrong. This is good stuff that we're spending our time on. But we have to have that balance. We have to find that in our life. And so this particular blog post, uh, it was um, basically me trying to just pull together um, resources to help do two things reduce potential negatives of technology and increase potential benefits of technology. Um, And so please, I'll I'll just run through it real fast. Please look through it at your own, um, if you are interested in this, but it includes things like um, monitoring your usage. You know, just do you know how much you use technology every day and how you could either use Android's digital wellbeing app to do that, or you could use Action Dash, which is the one I use at the moment, which tells me how much I use each of my apps and how much each day, or the iOS Screen Time app, or even YouTube and its app has a timed watched section. Uh, another thing it would be notifications, uh, turning them off <laughs> or limiting what notifications you get, You know, moving from FOMO, the fear of missing out, to JOMO, the joy of missing out, and being plugged into What's right around us and the people that we're connected with in our life. And so there's some information on Android, iOS, and Gmail, how you can either reduce or limit or control your notifications. Um, next, some online training resources out there to help you think about digital well being. Uh, Google has a website at wellbeing.google, which goes into great depth about lots of different things to consider. It's got some good videos about digital well being. Applied Digital Skills has a unit on building digital healthy habits, and Google's Digital Garage website has an introduction to well-being a video course you can take there as well on the other flip side from reducing the possible negatives to increasing the positives of technology to improve your well-being. There's things like the breathing exercises by Google search, just search for breathing exercise, and you get a one-minute activity that will take you through uh, some breathing cycles and help you relax. Um, there's some wonderful ambient audio sites, and some of these are also uh, Chrome extensions that uh, you can use to create sounds of rain or uh, fire, uh, I don't A campfire or things like that that can help create a um, a relaxing environment for you. Uh, I do have a blog post that I've linked in here that I did a while back on passwords and positive self-talk. The elevator pitch for this is: Hey, you got to type in your password every day, right? Probably multiple times a day. You want it to be secure, right? Probably should have a big, lengthy password. How about picking something that is actually a positive self-talk message? Make your password be something that is edifying to you. That is something you need to work on in your life or remind yourself of something valuable and you'll find out for the next three months as you type in that password each day my work has me has has us change our password every three months you're sending a message to yourself uh, to remind yourself each morning of something important and that's a a good use Uh, lastly there's an extension called tune uh, from google tune allows you to uh, filter out toxic comments online and uh, google fit Um, of course there's many 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 different fitness apps out there but again being kind of googly here great way to to motivate yourself to get moving and promote health, not just in your body, but also that translates to health in your emotions and your mind. And then lastly, um, a great collection of mindfulness resources. When I was at the uh, NeoNet conferences last year, Angela and and Annette uh, shared a wonderful uh, session on mindfulness resources. And I did uh, link in um, a Wakelet link that they have here that goes out to a whole bunch of those. So I wanted to get that on people's radar as something to be aware of. Uh, The next thing was an oldie, but a goodie. And this was something I shared last year since it's start of the year. uh, If you want to get to know your students a little bit better, and that was always, you know, what I got to work on as a teacher, okay, I remember uh, taking pictures of my students with an old 110 camera, you know, and developing the film, and then trying to learn all my students' faces and names. Um, I went ahead and created a template in Google Slides, where basically what you would do is you would share this out with your students, and each student would be able to go in and replace this placeholder with a picture of themselves, either using the webcam or a picture they've uploaded, and then a spot to put in their name and tutorial talk about them. And so basically, this would be a great way for all of the students to get to, to know each other because everybody would have access to that spreadsheet. But then you could use this also to click through and practice your students' names. I've got it set up with the animation so the student's face comes in first and then their information. So you could use this to quiz yourself. And you could even use the Slides Toolbox add-on to randomize the slideshow if you want to mix them up as you test yourself on learning your students' names. So anyway, those were two from the blog that I wanted to uh, put out there. Um, Stephanie, if you've got uh, some things queued up that you'd like to talk about, uh, why don't you go ahead as well?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to go kind of just quickly over the ones that I wanted to just highlight. And then if you need more resource, feel free to reach out to me and I will gladly help you um, with what the resource is and help you try to use it in your classroom. But the first one um, I really love is turning your favorite book into a Netflix series. I thought this was a great idea. A lot of our teachers try to, you know, encourage reading. And this, I think, is a fun way for students to do that. So they take a book that they've been reading and they create a Netflix series about it, using Google Slides. And I just thought it was really fun and it could engage students into a project and stay Yeah,
0: that is excellent there. Um, I love that template. What a, what a neat way to engage kids. And I think we may have lost your audio there, Stephanie. Okay. We'll give you a chance to pop back there, Stephanie. I think we've lost your audio. Just heads up. Um, I'm not hearing you at
1: the... Oh. on that same topic. There you go. And it's just, a really, it's just a really good... Um, for teachers and students to personalize their learning. And it's easy for teachers to manage. And then, you know, this is a really, really cool one. Um, with five minutes. show the whole picture comes up and students having to learn. August. So if you'd like in, the next one is coming out in September. It's August was relationship strategies, use depth of knowledge and those different levels to improve um, student learning. So, if you would like to join, the resource link is there. Um, there's a website. It goes over I and then you can view more resources on the drop-down menu for August, and then September will be opening up very, very soon. And so if you would like to jump on board, I'm looking for feedback. So any feedback that I can get from you is amazing. And then the final one I wanted to share was, we have a lot of Yale students this year, and it's a Google Slides add-on. So this is really cool. You have your Google Slides, the students open up this add-on, and it translates into different languages. And then they're able to follow along with the Google slide that's in English. I thought that was a really helpful add-on that I found.
0: That is excellent. And Stephanie, a heads up, there was just a little bit of a spot there where you did cut out a little bit on the audio in the middle, but I, I tried my best to follow along with you. I just didn't know if you were aware of that. There was just a little bit of an audio cut out, but uh, we did uh, hear most everything you shared there. I think we lost you just a little bit when you were talking about the slide reveal. Um,
1: uh, okay. Which, yeah, I can go over that real
0: quick. Um, yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm bringing it up again right now. I okay. just wanted to give the gist yeah.
1: of that. So a slide reveal, you it's kind of like stop I know Jake's really into that, but you just show pictures at a time and you slowly reveal the picture before students have to figure out the word. So you know you could gamify this, the less guess the less pictures that they see, um, they get more points. And so I could really see this being fun with vocabulary.
0: Yeah. Excellent. And so basically, yeah, this template, you just make a copy of the template and all you have to do is go in and change the background. You can either use the change background feature, pick a new image and add it to the theme. So it puts on all the slides or you could go in and edit the master and from the master change the background there. And that will, um, change it for all of them. And then as you play through those, it will, um, one-by-one one remove the squares covering the background until you see it. Very nice. Thank you for, uh, um, for mentioning that. And then, Jake, you had mentioned that the Slides Translator add-on um, is actually uh, from John McGowan. Oh, well, that's wonderful. Uh, John McGowan, as in uh, the John McGowan who created GMath, which became EquatIO, I assume
2: yeah same one and only and I, I think his Twitter uh, handle has actually changed now to auto magical apps it, it just happened a, a couple days ago that he started started tweeting out from that address and and uh, you know uh, unleashing these well, new add-ons and things
0: talk about talk about an interesting uh, 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 connection there uh, John McGowan was one of our first guests on the GEG Ohio uh, uh, meeting many, many years ago. Back when it was Anthony Luskri and myself uh, doing this, we had John McGowan on as a guest, just like you're doing, Jake. (laughs) So full full uh, circle now, huh? uh, full full circle. And, you know, we mentioned him again. Um, So uh, with all that said, I know we're getting close to the end here. Um, And Stephanie, it sounded like you were mentioning those were, that was the, that those were all the ones that you had wanted to mention. Um, if there is something else, please, please do jump back in on that. Um, the only thing I was going to mention, um, was uh, I did love this link uh, that got put up recently about student choice and voice digital templates. Um, and, um, this one, um, I think these are all from Tommy Spall, I believe. Um, and, uh, he's been doing these for, for years. Uh, they're, uh, A variety of them. He's just finally put together in one blog post. He's done posts on these in the past, but he just pulled them all together in one place. Um, And it's basically either Google Drawings or Google Slides that um, then you can make copies of. And they include things like a Fortnite themed uh, student choice board um, or one that uh, I think he's got one that's more like a restaurant menu um, and they're just great to make copies of and use for when you're wanting to create some uh, student choice menu boards and I just was appreciative that he put them all in one place Um, but I think Jake you may have uh, had a chance to get a question answered uh, that was hanging out there about the uh, conditional formatting yes
2: yeah, yeah, I could share that really quickly. I, like I say, oh you are sharing, so I can't share I, I am, um, I'm stopping. There you go. There we go. Perfect. Um like I said, I had to look it up. And th- this is some of those things with spreadsheets, no matter how good you get at them, you know, sometimes you just gotta look them up every time to be able to figure out how to do it. Same time. Uh, yep. So um in conditional formatting, which is a, a powerful thing for people to learn how to do. This is the way to format that formula. I I, I could barely even explain to you why why that's the way it should be. It's it's but, it's magic. Right, exactly. So I've got it applied to to columns A through C as you can see right there and then I've got selected custom formula is and it's this equals dollar sign C1 equals and then for example for this one I did Mr. Hand so what it's gonna do is any area inside of A1 to C 1000 if the value in column C for that particular row so the one is changing that goes back to that dollar sign I talked about earlier where the dollar sign is locking the C but not locking the one so if the value in column C is Mr. Hand, it's gonna highlight them all Now, If I change this to A1 to D1000, you'll see the highlight go one notch further. So you you decide how far you want that highlighting to go. But like I said, just bookmark that link from from uh, uh, Ben Collins. From BenElkCollins.com, ben Elk <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah, totally. Awesome,
0: well I'll go ahead and share my screen one last time and we'll do a a last call here. Um, for any questions that people have. What I'm going to do is just a little wrap up here uh, to hit a couple of key things. um, And then we'll give uh, Stephanie and Jake uh, one last chance if there's anything that they need to share. So as we do start to wrap up, my reminders to you guys are a couple of key things. First of all, everything can always be found at bit.ly slash G-E-G Ohio. That'll take you to our G-E-G Ohio website. Now I say everything, there will be more things showing up here as as we continue to work on this. At the moment, it's mostly a link to how do you join the Google Plus community or how do you join the email distribution list and also how do you get to the monthly meetings with the videos and uh, the agendas. Having said that, um, I know Stephanie's got a lot in the works. Um, We're going to be um, taking the audio of this and turning it into a podcast, and so we'll have some information on there about how you can uh, get this as a podcast as well once a month. Um, and of course, the video will always be on YouTube. So if you prefer to watch it there as well, we're just trying to put it out in as many formats as as possible. And I know uh, you know Stephanie's working on some other things too, including some social media things connected to GEG Ohio. Um, so um, you know that that all can be found. Uh, as we develop those things at bit.ly slash G-E-G-Ohio. I do want to remind you again, in case you joined us late, that we do ask, if you don't mind, to please sign in for each of the meetings under important links in the agenda. There is a very short Google form to sign in. It allows us to send you a certificate of attendance for participating in the meeting, and it allows us to send numbers to Google to let them know how many people have attended because they do want to monitor that. Um, other than that, uh, please feel free to continue to contribute to this document I will shortly after the meeting, switch it from, uh, edit rights to comment only. So don't be surprised when that does change, but, uh, we kind of lock it down a little bit in that sense, but you can always leave comments and suggestions on it afterwards. And then we will, uh, shortly, uh, have the new document starting to be created, uh, for our next meeting, which tentatively is September 26th. And I always say that to say, please do check because it may not be September 26th, um, Then we'll let you know uh, if we do have to change any of these Um, but those are the dates we've picked and we're going to shoot for and we'll let you know if we have to bump those around sometimes we do a morning instead of an afternoon if need be or we bump the date around just a little bit Um, but other than that I want to thank everybody so very much for being here today a big thanks to Jake his links are down in the show and tell section I cannot thank Stephanie enough for helping me with this Um, uh, I'm so happy to not be doing this solo anymore and I really appreciate uh, her with us. So uh, Jake, Stephanie, anything you guys have to add as we start to wrap up?
2: Uh, Just a thank you for me. Thanks for having me and everybody out there in the classrooms and in the schools. Thanks for your hard work. I I know this is a hard time of year, but uh, it's, it's great that you guys continue to come on to things like this and continue to learn, you know, so we can do best for our students. Thank you, Jake. Yeah. Thank you so
1: much, Jake and Eric. Um, This was a blast i really love diving in. And that podcast is available now. It's on Anchor. So for anybody that wants to go ahead and add it to your podcast listening and subscribe, feel free. Um, we will try to get the audio file up as soon as we can.
0: Fantastic. Well, guys, until next time, thank you so much for being here, and please stay connected through all of the different forums we have, whether it's uh, the Google Plus community or the email distribution list, and you know connect with us all on Twitter as well. And until next time, have a wonderful month, a great start back to the school
2: year, and we will see you all next time. Take care.